ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. I love podcasts. I listen to so many podcasts and one that I enjoy is called American Scandal. And I listen to a, a series of episodes uh, about this book. Uh, and I have to tell you, it, it was fascinating. And I uh, went online, uh, looked, looked, and yes, there's a book on this, and I wanted to get the author on with us. The, the book is called Killing for Krishna, and the author, Henry Doktorsky, is with us. Henry, good to have you with us, sir. Hey, great to be here, Jim. I'm going to turn you up a little bit. There we go. Give you a little bit more volume on your line. I, I want to start sure. by... I want to start by asking a little bit about yourself. I understand that you are an amazing accordionist. In fact, I went online. <laughs> I went online and saw you playing the accordion and, and man, you are a gifted musician. I have a close friend here in the area. His name is Joey Oberatus. I don't know if you know him or not. He's in the Polka Hall of Fame, and he played for the German Pavilion at Epcot Center for years. But he he plays at one of my favorite local uh, German restaurants over in Mount Dora, Florida, and uh, he plays a cool. fantastic accordion. I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with him. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I've seen his name. I, I'm not I'm not familiar, but. Uh... But yeah, yeah, the accordion is, uh, you know, in the last 50 years, it's, uh, you don't see it as much as you did, you know, like when I was a little kid like that, you know, but, uh, but it's a beautiful instrument. I just love it. That was my first instrument, you know, my, uh, in fact, uh, if we got time, there's a kind of funny story how I started on accordion. Do we, do we have like yeah, we've got, we've got story? plenty. We don't have commercials and we've got as much time as we need. So that's what's beautiful about this show. So tell us your story about yeah, getting started on the accordion. Oh yeah, yeah, cool, cool. None, none, no one in my family is a musician. Uh, and about when I was about seven years old, I was uh, grew up in New Jersey, central New Jersey, Middlesex County, and there was a knock at the door in the evening, and it was a traveling salesman giving free music aptitude tests for children. And, uh, of course, today you could never do that, you know, like people are so afraid. But back then. You know, so any stranger could come and you'd open the door and invite him in and stuff like that, you know. So, so my, my parents, they said, well, maybe, maybe our oldest son, Henry, maybe, you know, to give him the test. So this, they called me into the, the living room and this fella had a set of toy orchestra bells. They're just like, uh, flat pieces of metal on a, on a rack. Mattel makes them. And, and he picked up his wooden mallet and he, and he told me, he said, Henry, he said, I'm going to play a tune and I want you to watch very, very carefully. And then I'm going to give you the mallet and I want you to 
repeat the tune as best you can. So I said, great, I love puzzles. You know, I've always loved puzzles. I still do puzzles. So he, he picks up the mallet and he hits, you know, uh, five, five consecutive bells. He goes, ding, 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 ding. I mean, it's like, you know, so stupid. I was thinking to myself, I was seven years old. I'm seven years old and I'm looking at this guy and I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking, what do you think I am? Like an idiot, you know? So I, I like grab the mallet out of his hand and I go ding, 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 ding. And then he like throws his arms up in the air and he looks over my parents with this big smile and he says, your son has musical talent. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were, you were, you were uh, considered a genius at that point in time. And, and, and your parents didn't well, realize that your parents didn't realize that was just a little sales gimmick that probably every kid uh, passed that <laughs> test. Right. Well, well, I'm not going to say what they realized or what they did not realize, but I knew, I knew it was just a joke. And, and so they signed me up to take accordion lessons and, and it, it turned out I, I did have some talent, you know, and I have done something with it. And, you know, I love music. I, I, I started piano in high school and, and now I work as a church organist. So that's, it's one of the things. Yeah. I love, I love that I love part music. of your story. My wife and I met as professional musicians. We were in our twenties and we were in a music touring group. We did like a, a convention type show. There was a 10, 10 piece, a group, five singers and dancers, mm -hmm. and then a small band. And I was a trumpet player. My wife was one of the singers and dancers and, uh, we're married. It'll be, uh, 35 years <laughs> here soon. Wow. Uh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I'm so happy. Jim, that yeah. That's how, so that's how we met. People. And I still, I still play with a big band in Daytona with 18 piece band and we play all the, all Great. the old music. Um, so, so I want to yeah. start, I want to start the, in this story here, killing for Krishna so there's this moment in the interview uh, that you did with American Scandal where you're actually accepted. You finished your bachelor's degree in piano performance. You're now accepted uh, to go to North Texas State, which I used to live in Dallas for a while. That's an incredible school for music. So you're accepted now to go on to your graduate studies at North Texas State uh, in piano and you're driving down the highway and you get this thought of taking this exit off of the highway. And you said you hear this voice that said, if you take this exit, you're not getting back on the highway. And in fact, you took the exit and you ended up uh, living at the uh, compound there with the Hare Krishna for 15 or 16 years. Is that right? Is that how that it started? Yeah, well, uh, that that's one important part of it, certainly. I was, I mean, for a year and a half or so earlier, I had become interested in, in Indian thought and, and Hindu philosophy and practice and stuff like that, you know, and, and I did, I did plan, you know, I, I grew up in New Jersey and I was driving to North Texas State in Texas and I planned the trip. So that I could stop at this new Vrindavan Hare Krishna community in the northern panhandle of West Virginia, because I knew I could get free food and a free place to stay. <laughs> and uh, and for a hungry kid, that know, was probably a good deal, right? You know, like, yeah, I was like 22. I didn't have much money. In fact, uh, in fact, you know, I really didn't even know how I was going to pay for my my uh, my my graduate studies yet. You know, it was like it was still kind of up in the air. There was a lot of 
uncertainty in my life, which was one of the reasons why I wound up, you know. Uh, and what year that, would that, that have that, been that, that you actually that that, that that happened that you started? That was August of August of nineteen seventy eight. Wow, nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, it is true. You know, I I never I, I, only a handful of times in my life have I ever like heard a voice in my head. You know, I mean, it's 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 very very rare for me. But 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 you're correct. When I was driving down Interstate 70 and I was approaching the Wheeling West Virginia exit where I was going to you know get off and the, the New Bernardin community is about 10 miles south of there in in rural Marshall County up up in the hills in the forests. And uh, as I was approaching the exit, I heard this voice in my head, and it said, "If you if you turn off this road, you're not going to get back on it again." You know and, this uh, this you know, this story, as far as the the beginning of the Hare Krishna movement here in the United States, I grew up in Chicago. Uh, I'm I'm 55, so I think I'm younger than you. I'm I'm assuming a little bit younger than you, but uh, a few years. Yeah, I I saw the Hari Krishna. You know, in the city, they would be out uh, very peacefully. Uh, you know, uh, practicing their their religion and so forth. I saw them sometimes also at the O'Hare Airport. They would be asking for money and and this sort of thing. Uh, but I I over the years, um, you know, I've seen them even here in St. Augustine, Florida. But I, I've this story is is. Is some is one that I missed, and I'm sort of a true crime uh, aficionado. I love to read these kinds of books, mm. but I I was probably equally fascinated with the true crime aspect of this as I was with the whole idea of kind of the beginning of the Hare Krishna movement. So, if if I understand it right, the the main founder uh, of this. It was like in the late '60s, he comes over uh, on a boat. And he starts with literally no money in New York City, I think in Greenwich Village. And from from that, it like immediately explodes. And then at it's in just a few years, there's like hundreds of locations. You've got, you know, uh, George Harrison of the Beatles writing the song My Sweet Lord uh, in honor of. Uh, of Krishna. I mean, all of these celebrities are involved. There's hundreds of millions of dollars involved. And it just started with this guy. It, it, do I understand that right? Yes, absolutely correct. Uh, 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 Swami Prabhupada, uh, I will call him. Actually, his title is His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, but for us, we'll say Prabhupada. He uh, he was 69 years old, and his guru in India had wanted him to preach in the English language. And so finally he uh, got on this freighter. He got free passage on this steamboat. And he came over to, to, to New York and he did have a sponsor, uh, that he stayed with for a few months, uh, in, uh, in Pennsylvania. But he decided he wasn't, he, 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 that wasn't the place for him to be. So he went to New York, to New York City. And, uh, he was just, he he wasn't quite homeless. He he did know a, another Indian man there that he stayed with for a while, and he and he he just sat in the park, uh, uh, Thompson Square Park, with his symbols in wearing his uh, Bengali style robes with the shaved head and the tuft of hair at the back, which is called a sika. And he started teaching Bhagavad Gita classes at the storefront, and uh, you know within a few years. 
he had hundreds and hundreds of disciples, and by the time he di- he died, he had uh, almost five thousand plus plus uh, probably hundreds of thousands of followers around the world, and and, and it was a big a big thing, really a big success story. Yeah, it, unfortunately it, after unfortunately after he died, it, it all went down. Well, right. But, so uh, so this is then, this is the part of it that that this gets very fascinating. So you have the founder. And he was already a man that was pretty far up in age. In fact, if I understand the story right, he relates the fact that he actually had a heart attack on that ship coming over. He doesn't know how he lived because he says he got no medical care, but he he lived. So here's a man going into his 70s who's just starting this thing, and he has a heart attack already on his resume, as, you know, his, his medical record. So he wasn't going to be around forever. And so what happens is after his death this is when the trouble started when no one could decide who was really in charge and that's where this keith ham individual sort of uh rises to power and i think it was interesting too his this keith ham he tried to to take power it seemed like even before the swami had died he claimed to have some special dispensation from him and he was sort of tarred and feathered and run out of town but then later came back and actually did uh end up in in power and and is it right that they sort of split up the power over maybe a dozen or so of the uh the top people within hari krishna at that time after the yeah, swami so- died yeah, correct, correct. I, I would not say that uh, everything was perfect, even while Swami Prabhupada was still here. There was still fighting, and there were still problems, and a lot of stuff. But after he died, you know, things, uh, there, there was 11 uh, senior leaders who basically, you know, were elected to be his successors, although Swami Prabhupada never appointed any successors. See, so and it turned out it turned out that they pretended to be self-realized souls, and according to the, the Krishna Krishna belief, once a, a, a person has has attained perfection, in other words, they have completely uh, purified themselves of any any material desires, uh, any kind of desire for sense gratification or fame or profit or distinction or merging into the absolute, they become. They become a, a transparent via medium, like a conduit, where Krishna, who is who is God, the supreme person that got it, he, they can become a channel for them, a, a channel because. They're but these people were God, really these you know? people were the opposite of of that. They were yeah. they were narcissists who, uh, you right. know, as human nature is, um, they got in these positions of power and sort of violated all of all of the principles uh, yeah, that were there. I know. I know. I know. That's. You know, I discussed that in my second book, Eleven Naked Emperors, especially. It's briefly alluded to in, in Killing for Krishna. But, but my own guru, my, my spiritual master, who I served for 15 years in West Virginia, he was, he was like the most narcissistic of them all. You know, but, but the, the thing is, see, see, if you're, if, if you're brainwashed, if you like, kind of like captured, uh, the cult has captured your mind, it, you can't see this, you know? You, you're too close. You have to, you know, people who are further away, they, they can see what's going on. But, you know, myself and, and hundreds and thousands of others, we were, we were kind of like, uh, you know, uh, I guess brainwashed is the right word. We were, you know, believing, uh, uh, a, a snake was a rope when, that, when actually it was a snake. 
and you're and 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 this facility that you were at in West Virginia at the time you were there was it completely finished because I I understand that that I've never been there but I understand it's still to this day like a tourist stop because it's such an incredible yeah. facility was it still being put together when you were there or was it finished when you started in 78 I, I I helped I helped build Prabhupada's Palace of Gold it was uh, uh, originally intended to be a residence for Swami Prabhupada, but when he passed away in 1977, and the building was not completed, then it became a memorial shrine with, like, hundreds and hundreds of square feet of, of, of gold leaf, uh, intricate designs, uh, 250-some uh, tons of, of polished marble on the floors and the walls, and a beautiful altar, a uh, really gorgeous, kind of like a uh, a shrine, which is a, a combination of Eastern and Western architecture. But but no, no, you're yeah, it's still there. The palace is still there, and uh, I haven't been for a few years, but I've all you know, I still have friends that live there, and I enjoy visiting. And I and I guess there were people that lived in right on the grounds there, but then there were also people that lived in that town, so they weren't necessarily living on the grounds, but were, were nearby and would spend much of their time on the grounds there. Were you one that lived actually on the grounds while you were there? Yes. I, you know, when I, when I, when I first came there, uh, in August of 78, I, I, I pretty much, I decided I was going to stay for one semester. All right. I mean, and, and tested out because I really was interested in this, in this spiritual practice, you know, that the Hare Krishnas do. And there's a lot of great things about it. I'm telling you, like, like, well, for instance, they're vegetarians. And I think that's a really good thing. You know, they don't kill animals, you know, for food. And, and they do chanting, you know, like a couple hours a day. And I think chanting and, and meditation, I, I personally think it's a good thing. And, uh, and uh, they're, uh, they're quite renounced. Certainly, uh, certainly better as, than, certainly better than killing people. <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we could agree with that, but but you were you were attracted yeah, yeah. you were attracted that, that to is, as a young person you were attracted to this philosophy of Hari Krishna and you went there and and you saw all this and they were very inviting towards you when they found out that you were uh, a piano player a, a, mu a musician that uh, they wanted to start an orchestra they wanted to start music training there and sort of uh, gave you a new home and and so there you were. And you stayed for 15 or 16 years uh, there, and you began to see, though, that there were uh, problems. In particular, this this guy, his name is Keith Ham. Uh, I, I found his history his uh, history very fascinating. He is the uh, son of a, a Baptist minister, I believe, and he was actually I I, I think the story goes he was in an insane asylum uh being held in a medical <laughs> facility and he was able to get out of there by lying to his dad saying that he was going to change and and all of this and then his dad gets him out of the facility and then within a few uh traffic stops he jumps out of the car and 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 runs away and and then he goes on uh to to this mm -hmm. position over time uh 
a very interesting guy. I mean, just, you know, to go from that uh, Baptist minister as a, as a father, you're in a, a mental facility and then you're you're heading up. Uh, you're the one of the 11 leaders of this whole big movement with this uh, giant uh, palace of gold. I wonder what his dad thought of all that uh, back in the day. <laughs> Well, I'm sure his dad was uh, probably pretty pissed off at him because his dad was turned out to be more strict uh, strict than his son. But when I first met him, uh, he he he's called Kirtanananda Swami, and uh, well, but we can we can say Keetham because it's uh, easier to say. And he really did not put the vows of a Swami anyway at the end. But when I first met him, he was he was he I, I saw him as a wise and compassionate father. And, you know, part, part, part of the, I think now, decades later, why I was, why I joined that group was because, I mean, my father's a great guy. He's still around. He's 90 years old, but he's very different from me. He's like, he likes to do mechanical things. He loves gardening and I hate gardening. You know, I like music and reading, you know, so, so I, we really didn't connect very deeply, you know, uh, so when I meet this, this wise, you know, Kirtananda Swami, Keith Ham, and he's, you know, he's so compassionate and intelligent and he loves classical music, which I adore. You know, I just, I, I kind of like, you know, saw him as, as a father figure, you know, that, that I had a void in my life and he, he filled that. But, but years later, you know, 10, 12, 13 years later, I started to see like anomalies and, and I'm thinking, oh my God, this guy isn't what he pretends to be, you know? And you know, this and is what happens. Uh, it's it, it's this is what happens. You're a smart guy. And so you were there and anybody could be drawn into something like that. You're there and then you start seeing things are not adding up and you have enough sense that you end up leaving. Uh, some people could never have that much confidence in themselves. They would just somehow rationalize what they're seeing and what they're hearing. And uh, because of time, I want to get into the the crime part of this, which is just inc sure. incredible. I mean, this should be a movie. So there's this guy by the name of Stephen Bryant, who he was involved with Hare Krishna, ends up becoming a dis disillusioned follower. He has a van He's living in his van. He's written a book. I mean, this is all before the days of the Internet. If he if he was around during the Internet days, he probably would have had his own podcast, his own YouTube channel. But this guy was all about traveling the country, living in his van with his book, trying to discredit Hare Krishna. So he was like the most active person out there trying to discredit the Hare Krishna movement uh, and and seemed like he was very entrepreneurial about that. And this is where the dark side of all this begins is with his murder. Is that right? Yes, uh, that was a, bit, a huge turning point. I uh, He lived at New Vrindavan in West Virginia for, for, for a number of years. I, I was friendly with his wife. In fact, I taught that his wife used to play violin with our temple orchestra. I was the music director and I taught piano to his his, uh, her children like that, you know, but at one point he, uh, he had a big falling out with the leaders in the community. And, uh, he basically, his, his children were basically taken from him, you know, kidnapped because the wife, he, he wanted to leave and his wife refused to go because she was a, a devoted disciple of Swami Bhaktipad of Kitam. 
and uh, he took his kids, and he was going to his parents' house up up by Detroit, and and uh, Newbergen sent a, a, a van chasing him down with with three uh, three armed uh, enforcers, and they caught up with him at a supermarket where he went in to buy diapers for his kids. Yeah, so he, he so out. so he and his wife are both living at the complex there in West Virginia, and then yes, they have correct. a. They have a falling out uh, because he wants to leave and she has this almost kind of suspicious uh, attachment to Keith Ham, uh, who's who's the, the, the grand poobah there. So she's he the implication is almost like maybe there's something going on between her and Keith Ham. But in any case, he finally throws down the gauntlet and says, I'm leaving. And he takes the kids right. to leave and they they follow him with these uh, armed, like you said, enforcement people to to the, the wife calls Keith Ham they send out these people they follow the van they he stops they end up getting the children back so he's lost his wife he's lost his children and now he's out right. there with his van and and he's he's got a book he's written he's speaking to people well, and this goes on for i guess what a couple of years and and the truth is yeah about a year and a half nobody nobody would listen children. to what he had to say though isn't that right very, very, very few. When he lost his kids, he hadn't started his book. That gradually came about when he was talking to so many former residents, and, and they would tell him horror stories about child abuse, uh, 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 scams, uh, fundraising scams, and even, even a murder, which took place at New Vrindavan in 1983. That's uh, that will be covered in my in my next book called Guns and God. But yeah, he started he started to collect his information and put his ducks in a row, and he and he did this book, and uh, and then he, he, he I will say I will say one he's a very passionate man, all right, and he threatened violence to Keith Ham, and that was something that Keith Ham's followers and disciples would not tolerate. So they decided better before he kills our guru, we're going to get rid of this guy. You know, that's that's the better thing. And that's what happened. They they hunted him down and they shot him in, in twice in the, in the face, you know, in, in Los Angeles, where they finally caught up to him. So this is all the way across the country. So you've got the complexes in West Virginia. But Stephen Bryant is in Los Angeles. Uh, I guess this is at night. He's asleep in his van and he hears somebody and he recognizes the shooter is someone that was from Hare Krishna, uh, and and at least that's the dramatization in the, in the podcast. Uh, and yeah, mostly, and, mostly correct. Yeah, and he's shot uh, two times. Now, was there ever any direct uh, connection? Uh, did did they ever link directly Keith Ham that Keith Ham said go do this this hit? Uh, was was that ever mm -hmm. that connection ever made? All right, let me let me let me just go backtrack a little bit second. Back in 1977, uh, Keith uh, Keith Ham was arrested by the Marshall County Sheriff because like a dozen cows had died during a, a snowstorm, and some neighbors complained about it. So he got arrested for cruelty to the animals. So he spent a day in jail before his followers bailed him out. After this happened, he said, "I'm never going to jail again. You guys got to take care of me." So he took his name off of all the properties, off all the legal documents, 
you know, so that if there was any crimes or things happened, he could not be held responsible. And as far as this murder of, of Stephen Bryant, which, which Killing for Krishna, my book, is all about, he only talked about it to his confidant, all right? And his confidant, whose name was Howard Wheeler, would talk to others about organizing this this murder conspiracy and hunting down this Stephen Bryant guy. So, so Kirtan was very, very, very careful about keeping his nose clean, you know. But and 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 when he and he went to court, all right, in 1991, and he was found not guilty of this murder, all right, because they didn't have enough evidence. Other people went to, to prison for it, yeah. Some of the accomplices, but Kirtan, he he was never never legally implicated, although the evidence shows that he certainly encouraged it, all right? But he was very careful. Now, his lawyer, if I understand this correctly, I've got uh, one of the Wikipedia pages up on this. His lawyer was Alan Dershowitz, and so the charges ranged, uh, including uh, uh, child molestation and, and, and other things, but it, it it looks like there was maybe a partial conviction on some of the charges, but then ultimately it was all thrown out because Alan Dershowitz was representing him, and in the court of appeals, uh, it all got Correct. reversed. So so he never had to spend Correct. any real time in prison. Is that right? Well, let, let, let's say that his the, the big trial was 1991. His, his attorney was was James Lees, and he got. Uh, convicted on several of the charges, but not the murder charges. There was a whole slew of charges, all right? And he was convicted, and he spent like a hundred days in, in jail, uh, as he filed for the appeal. And then once, once, uh, once he, he, uh, he, he, the appeal was filed, or, or let's say the motion was, was for, they, the government, the prosecutors let him out of jail, under house arrest. So he spent two years under house arrest. That's when they hired Alan Dershowitz. And Dershowitz is like very expensive, but he's very good. He, he, he got OJ Simpson. <laughs> right. Uh, and, right. And Klaus von Bulow and Mike Tyson and these guys, you know, he's famous. In fact, in fact, I've got Dershowitz's book. He's a, he's got a, a kind of a biography that he writes. He does mention Keith Ham in there for like two pages or something like that. So, so Dershowitz was the brilliant mind which reportedly cost several million dollars of community money, but Dershowitz argued that, uh, that the whole thing was, you know, there were techni technical things wrong, and then he was released, all and right? And he, he came home triumphantly after that. But then, but then three years later, they went to court again. They tried him again, and this time he pleaded guilty, and he spent eight years in, in prison. Okay, so he did ultimately go to prison. And um, yeah. so what was the difference? Were, were these other were these newer charges? Um, I, I think they were uh, racketeering charges. Right. Is that what they were? Right. Originally, the other 1991 trial was about racketeering. And there was about 12 or 15 separate incidences that were, you know, individual charges. Now, in 1996, when he went to court again, the, the big the, 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 the thing that he had to throw in the towel because the guy who pulled the trigger, his disciple, Thomas Drescher, who shot Stephen Bryant in, in, uh, in Los Angeles and who was caught a week later, all right, and was, was sentenced 
to life in prison. He's he's been in prison now since 1986, and I I corresponded with him. I got about 200 letters that we mailed back and forth to each other. So in '96, this Thomas Drescher, the murderer who pulled the trigger, he loses his faith in Keith Ham as a self-realized soul, as a saintly man, and he know he realizes now this guy is is you know is molesting boys, all right? He's, he believes the, to the rumors now. So he goes, he, he talks to the prosecutor, and he says, I'll, I'll go to court now. I'll go and testify that Keith Ham is the one who ordered me to, you know, knock off to eliminate Steve Bryant. And when, of course, when Keith Ham's lawyers heard this, they know no one's going to, you know, deny that so so rather than go to court, Keith Ham just said, "Okay, I'm guilty of mail fraud, which was the smallest charge on the whole list, you know." And the and the judge sentenced him into 20 years in prison. He served eight, and then he got out. And he was released because of of health issues. Was was there something else about someone that testified that went into witness protection because of their testimony? That that could have been Randall Gorby. Randall Gorby was not a Krishna devotee. Well, I mean, all the murder conspirators were Krishna devotees, except this one. He was a friend of the community, the friend of the New Vrindavan, West Virginia community. And he was involved in the murder conspiracy. And he turned, he became a government informant. So he would, his phone calls to important people at, the Christian community were recorded by the state police. All right, and then and then uh, his house, like two days later after after the murder, Gorby's house explodes. Hmm. There's there's like a gas leak. He lights a cigarette. His house. He's blown through the roof. Forty percent of his body's got third degree burns. The guy's like dying. You know, he recovered from it in the hospital, and that's when. The, the 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 state police or the prosecutors or the feds whatever they gave put him in the federal witness protection they moved him moved him away to a a, a secret place and uh, and so he was he was a very important person in the in the in the trial now there was a lot of things going on here just to give people sort of a uh, a buffet of all the things that were happening we had obviously there was uh the murder that we're talking about now but there was another murder uh, as well there was also a lot of financial scams going on there were sex sexual abuse uh of young boys in particular is that right yeah some girls but uh, but the boys was horrible because uh I mean, we, we, none of us knew this at the time. You know, I mean, of course, the boys did, but, but, but they're going to keep their mouths shut, you know, because no one's going to believe them. Here, here's, here's a story. When I started, now I lived there 15 years and I thought it was a great place. I knew there was problems, all right? But I didn't know that there was like child sexual abuse. I didn't know that there was, you know, murders and this and that. You know, I thought, you know, I thought it was a great place. I had mostly a good time. So I start doing, excuse me, doing my research. All right. I want to write a history of this, of this fire Christian community in West Virginia. And, and as I'm researching, I'm talking to people and I'm discovering confidential documents and stuff. 
uh, all about this murder of Steve Bryant, and then a trial transcripts I discover about the murder of Charles St. Dennis, which happened three years before St. Dennis. That was on New Vernon property. The same guy, uh, Thomas Drescher, killed both these guys, all right? And, uh, and, and suddenly, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is like a criminal enterprise. I've been giving my life to this criminal enterprise, you know, but, but really only a handful of people, a dozen people at the, at the, the, the top levels of management and the hitmen really, un, you know, knew what was going on. And we were just, we were just like in La La Land, most of us, you know, you know, we're chanting Hare Krishna and, you know, boy. And this was obviously well hidden or it wouldn't have, uh, that, that, particular location would not have exploded like it did with so many uh, people there and and it continued to grow. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the uh, murder of Charles St. Dennis, which, as you mentioned, happened two years before uh, Stephen Bryant and and his body was actually found um, on the property or near the property. Isn't that right? Yes, correct. Before I I answer that, I just wanted to tell you one quick thing about some of the stuff undercover. I was talking about the boys. The ashram, some of the ashram teachers, some of the school headmasters, all right, had a, had a thing for for sex with boys, all right, and uh, and but the boys really couldn't talk to anyone. And I'll give. I'm just going to tell you one example. When I started doing my research and I discovered all this, I I found out I, I, I contacted this lady in Columbus, Ohio, who used to live at the community, all right? And she told me the story about her seven-year-old son. She said her son lived in the boarding school at the community, and the Krishna schools, they, you don't see your parents, except maybe once a month or something like that. You're li- it's a boarding school. And this boy, when he first came to New Vrindavan, he spent a week with Keith Hem, the the Swami, in his cabin as a personal servant. And we all knew that boys would come in and out of there, you know, just like just like an altar boy at a Catholic church or something, you know. Mm. I mean, who's going to think that the priest is doing stuff, you know? I mean, and most right. priests are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful men, but there are, you know, some perverts, I'll, I'll call them. But anyway, anyway, so she's telling me she didn't see her boy for like several months. And then when she finally saw him again, the, this seven-year-old boy tells her, hey, hey, mom, you know, when I first came here, I had this really great honor. Uh, out of all the boys in the school, Keith Ham selects me to be his personal servant and live with him. And and then the boy tells his mother, and you know what he did? He fondled my genitals. And the mother, like, couldn't believe she heard that. The mother told me, she said, I'd never use the word fondle in my son's presence. Where did he learn that? And her first reaction was to chastise her son and say, don't make up stories like that. You know, Keith Ham is, is a saint from God, you know, wow. pure devotee. You know, don't make up stories, you know. And, and, and I've read a little bit about child molestation. Well, and that's, and, that's the similar and, thing and, and that, that happened with the uh, Catholic uh, child abuse as well. The children that did come forward were not believed. Um, so that's, uh, you know, exactly. a, another similarity there. Uh, and, and, and all, all of the, you know, all of the, uh, tenets of their faith system, this Hare Krishna faith system, uh, were, were violated, but they did a great job of, of, of keeping it, 
of keeping it quiet uh, for all those years. Even someone like yourself having lived there for a decade and a half, uh, you were not aware of it. Uh, Tell us about the Charles St. Denis and the body. It was actually found uh, in one of the creeks. It was buried, if I understand that. Is that right? Yes, it was. It was carefully planned. Okay, Charles St. Denis, and and I knew him also. I was not friends with him, but but I knew him, and uh, he was a big guy. I, I didn't think he was he was like particularly good looking, but a lot of the women there just like couldn't resist him. All right, you know, and he had lots of lovers. And lots of children with different women and stuff like that. And, uh, at one point, uh, he, uh, uh, this one lady, her name is Brenda. He has a, an affair with her and she's married to Dan. And, uh, but she has an affair with Chuck. And, uh, like six months later, uh, Chuck, uh, no, Dan, Dan, yeah, six months later, Brenda tells Dan, that this guy Chuck raped me, you know, six months ago. So it, 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 we we think it's consensual, all right, you know. But that's what she said, you know. And so Dan is like pissed off as hell. I mean, in in the Krishnas, all right, the the the, uh, the one of their scriptures, the Srimad Bhagavatam says, actually it's the Manusanita. It says that if a man you know pollutes your wife, you are entitled to kill him with no punishment to the executor, all right? So he's really pissed off at this. Uh, so so he goes, and he's talking to his buddy, Tom Drescher. Tom Drescher is the enforcer. He's the one who actually killed Stephen Bryant, you know, three years later. And he's talking to him, I want to I knock this guy Chuck off. And, and Tom says that, hey, you know, cool down, calm down, you know. I mean, it's not worth killing somebody for. And so finally, and, and Tom... Is telling telling Dan, hey, go go see the Swami, you know, go see Keith Ham, you know, he'll 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 straighten you out, you know. So Dan finally goes to see Keith and says, you know, I want to I want to kill this guy Chuck, you know, he raped my wife, and and this and 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 Keith Ham says, you know, you know, the the scripture says that you are perfectly entitled to kill him, and and Keith says, and to make sure it gets done right. I want you to go see Tom Drescher about this. Now, see, Drescher, he was he was a professional killer in Vietnam. He was trained up by the U.S. government. He, he's got tons and tons of medals for combat and battle and all this stuff. You know, he was very good, very good at that. And he got some post-traumatic stress disorder, which, which was hard for him to, you know, go back into regular society, which may be one reason why he joined the Krishnas in the first place back in... 72, 73, like that, you know. So, so those two guys, they plan this murder to, uh, of Chuck, and they, they ambush him at this, uh, 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 this shack up on a hill on, up, up in the woods somewhere, and they shoot him, they empty their guns, but Chuck's a big guy, he's strong, he's a powerful, you know, strong guy, and, and, and Chuck doesn't die, he's like still walking, and so, so they grab a screwdriver and they're like, you know, poking, poke, you know, sticking him with those two drugs. So then they get a hammer and they start smashing his head. So they take him to this creek bed where they had already built a dam and dug a hole in the bottom of the creek because they did not want dogs to sniff him out, sniff out the body. So they, they, they threw him in this creek bed. And according to the, the, the trial testimony, 
and Chuck was still breathing when when they broke the dam, you know, and the water flew over him like that, you know. So very, very sad. And, and these people, they thought that they were killing for Krishna. You know, they, they thought they were justified by 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 the by God and by the scriptures, you know, but but really they they were just caught up in this personality cult, this Kirtan cult. I call it the cult of Kirtan, Kirtanananda. Now, Henry, do you believe that these kinds of things went on with the other uh, ten leaders, and maybe we don't know about it, or do you think it was just Keith Ham that took things uh, so far? Well, I think Keith Ham was was the worst of the bunch. I do know that there was another leader, the 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 Los Angeles Iskand guru. He was also involved in the murder of Stephen Bryant. All right, he had he had uh, uh, his enforcers in Los Angeles that were also hunting him, and they were helping Thomas Drescher to to find Steve Bryant so that they could they could knock him off and and he was involved also but he was never never charged with anything uh and uh, the as far as the other gurus I mean if you listen to American Scandal I think they talk about Hans Aduda Hans Kari he was up in Berkeley in San Francisco and he had an infatuation with guns he's he's the guru that like flipped out you know he was like on pain pills and alcohol and he just slipped out and he started he got a machine gun and he's like shooting into this liquor store in berkeley california with these people you know inside shopping wow like that you know he he did get a, he he did get arrested for that but he got he got off on probation you know he had a good lawyer you know and that's berkeley so, too the so world's a little I, bit <laughs> world's a little bit different there with as as we close out here with just a couple of minutes i wanted to ask you uh, you know, this book is almost 700 pages, uh, incredible, and there's a lot of pictures in it as well. I, I mean, for someone that's looking for some, you know, true crime story, this is just an incredible, incredible page turner. Have you faced any backlash from the Hare Krishna people of today because of writing a book like this? Um, have have any of them threatened you or 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 threatened lawsuits or worse? No. No, and 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 I, I mean I will say that I have, you know, maybe got uh, there's one review on Amazon. All right, somebody wrote a review on Amazon of Killing for Krishna, and they said that maybe I'm going to follow the footsteps of Steve Bryant. Maybe I'll get knocked off too, you know. Wow. You know, but but no one said anything to me personally, and 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 the, and the reason I think is because anyone who's still involved with the with the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, they know that any kind of controversy is going to blow, make it more popular. So they just keep shut, you know, they keep their mouth shut. It's silence, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, if you, you, uh, a controversy will generate the Yeah, absolutely. Is there any thought of a movie you coming know? out of this at, at any point? Well, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not at liberty to, discuss that but i will say if there was one you wouldn't be able to tell me you'd have to kill me if you told me because well, <laughs> <laughs> it's too no, big i just haven't signed I, let, let's just say two film companies have approached me in the last three months that want to do like a, a, a seven series netflix or amazon yeah i mean it would this would be this would be a 
barn burner. I, I can tell you that. And for people that are l- listening to this interview and are probably saying, you know, because we're only scratch, we're not even scratching the surface. We're scratching the scratch of the stuff that, that went on there. And this book is just, I mean, it, it is incredible. Uh, it, it, what happened there? I mean, all of in all of these stories, and we're just we're barely just scratching the surface. And you're such an, an interesting guy. Uh, now you've moved on with your life uh, with with um, your your music. You're a music teacher. You're also a, an organist. Twenty seven twenty seven years ago, I left. Yeah. And so you survived all yeah. this and you moved on. And, you know, uh, if you look me up online, you'll see my story. My own brother, who was my accountant, wiped me out financially back in 2001. Oh. So I, I felt like I had uh, I, I wanted to kill myself, but I decided, no, I'm not going to oh. do that. I wrote a book about it and I kind of embraced what happened to me and. I'm now more popular than ever because of what happened to me. So I think these are positive things that we do, right? We take something negative that happened and we turn it into a positive. And you're certainly not just sharing this story, but you're also giving people kind of the blueprint of cults that are out there today that could draw people in and terrible things could happen. And you've got to know when you're crossing that line and getting involved with a dangerous group, such as what was happening back in 1978. Right. That is the the subtitle of my book, Killing for Krishna, The Danger of Deranged Devotion. That's that's the thing. If, you know, then you're going to be, oh, man, all nasty things are going to happen, you know? Henry Doktorsky, uh, we appreciate you being here tonight, sir. We thank you so much for your time, and the book is available on Amazon.com for people that want to get it. Do you have a website that you'd like to share with us as well? Yeah, well, yeah, henrydoktorsky.com. It's, it's, it's my name. You can probably put it on a link somewhere. But, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll but link it on our social media, and it's spelled D like in David, O-K, T like in Thomas, O-R-S, like in Sam K.I., Henry Doc Torsky. The book is called Killing for Krishna. We hope you come back once there's a movie deal. We can talk a little bit more about this. <laughs> thank you so much for being yeah, with us, sir. Made, thank, thank you, Jim. A really, really great talking to you. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you. God bless. Well, I also wanted to say this in closing that um, I don't want anybody to think I am somehow like embracing the Hare Krishna movement. I didn't know what Henry's current religion, uh, religious views are. I didn't ask. Um, but he talks in some loving terms about uh, the Hare Krishna movement, and, and that's his right to do that. I certainly don't embrace Hare Krishna. Uh, he seems to still have good feelings about what their true beliefs should have been at the time, but then turned into all this dark stuff. But of course, uh, I'm an evangelical Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ is the only way. And I just want to make that clear for anybody that might be wondering what in the world Jim Paris is talking about Hare Krishna. Uh, no, uh, I am uh, definitely still the same guy. And this was a fascinating story about true crime. And that was my interest in it. And uh, it's an incredible book. If you're a true crime person, this is a book you will not be able to put down. Almost 700 pages. Killing for Krishna. The danger of deranged devotion. All right. That'll be it for tonight. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.